Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. We hope you'll be encouraged to have an I'm Third approach as you navigate family, leadership, and spiritual growth. If you're new to our conversation, welcome. It's so great to have you. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. My name is Shay Robbins, and we have a tremendous podcast for you today. I happen to be sitting here with two of my Canacuck favorites. I would call them legends. Ward Weeby and Trish Barnes, say hello to the people. Hello to all the people out there. Hey guys, it's exciting to be here with Shay. So our podcast title is The Power of an Encouraging Word. At camp, we teach our staff the 10 golden rules for teaching a great class. Didn't that take you back to staff training? And one of our favorite phrases is that praise motivates and criticism kills. And Ward and Trish are here because they happen to be two of our most skilled encouragers in the camp environment. And I was just telling them the heartbeat of this podcast is when I moved to Branson and got involved with camp, I think my eyes and my heart were open to the power of encouragement because I just, I don't know, I wasn't used to people looking me in the eye and speaking value, truth, and vision. My parents were super loving, and I think they did that. But outside of that, I don't know that I had, you know, a ton of like godly encouragers. And so when I got here, it was, it was, it caught me off guard. Like it just blew me away at how, you know, the power of words could be spoken into your life and it could just energize you to do the Lord's work. And so I'm so thankful to have you two in here talking about this topic. Before we jump into it, I've got some getting to know you questions, just so our audience can get a sense of who these Canacuck legends are. You ready for this, Ward? We're ready, Shane. Okay. Salsa or guac, if you had to choose one or the other? Guac. He's a guac man. Trish? Salsa. Whoa, whoa. I don't know. Essie, how about you? Essie's our faithful recorder over here. She's our production manager. She edits all, all the smacks that I make out of our, our podcast. What would you say? Salsa or guac, Essie? The people want to know. Guac. She's a guac girl. The guacs take it. All right. In a survival situation, if you had to choose just one insect to survive, what insect would it be? One or, to eat? Yeah, one to eat to survive. Got to eat them. Beetle bug? A beetle bug, she says. <laughs> I, I don't really know. Trish actually has a, she has an, a degree in entomology. I don't know if you guys knew that. But she would eat a beetle bug to survive. <laughs> Ward, how about you? Shay, I'd like to go with locust, please. The locust. That's For 100. the biblical answer. You see, we brought in the holy man today. Wow. That's phenomenal. Okay. Would you rather ride an ostrich or a camel? This is a hard one. Not hard for me, Shay. I'm going camel. He's a camel. That's right. Trish, how about you? Well, I've ridden a camel and it's quite fun. So I think I'd choose an ostrich because I've it. never done it. Yeah. And it'd be fun to try to hang on for my life on that thing. No doubt. I have never rode an ostrich, but it looks precarious. <laughs> yes, it does. All right. Final question. This might be the most important one. If you could make Bigfoot or a unicorn's Bigfoot or unicorn, so that's plural, real, like roaming around the woods today. Which one would you choose and why? Ward Weeby. Shay, I'm going with Bigfoot. And why? Well, there are certain members in my family that believe <laughs> bits of truth that Bigfoot could potentially exist. And that, I've heard 
stories. Is that right? <laughs> yes, I have. Wow. So we're going with Bigfoot. I think in high school, I saw the the video of the guy from Montana where you know has that little footage of him oh, getting yeah. off his. So I'm 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 a believer. Looked legit to me. It did to me too. <laughs> Trish, I definitely would go with unicorns because I work with girls. And little girls think unicorns are magical. So if we could somehow create them and then create this magical place, bring them to camp and have magical unicorns at camp, I think that would be epic. Well, the thing about a unicorn is it's an insurance nightmare, right? If you stand at the head, you can get poked. (laughs) If you stand at the rear, you can get kicked. So you always want to stand at the side of unicorn. Anyway, yeah, well, I we think the reason we don't have unicorns at camp are because Bigfoots are in the woods and they scare them off. So there you go. <laughs> this has been a productive part of our podcast episode. Wow. Okay, so let's move on to the power of an encouraging word. So, Ward, I'm going to ask you first. Is there a time where you remember words cutting you down? So I'm going to kind of lean the other way. We're talking about the power words, but I think in a lot of our lives, there are things that have been said to us that cycle through our memory that even decades down the road impact us or influence us. Tell us, uh, you know, without throwing a, a specific name attached to it, a time where there was a word that was spoken into you that was cutting. You know, I thought about this last night, Shay, as we were getting ready for the podcast, and, and I, it took me a while to think through. I mean, I am so thankful. I've had so many encouragers around me and grew up in a family where encouragement was uh, handed out. And it, I, you know, I was trying to think, is there an, sometime where I could think back to where I had, you know, somebody say something to me that just cut so deeply. And I don't know, fortunately, I'm just grateful that there's been a lot of encouragers in my life along the way. I do particularly remember one incident when I was probably eight or nine or 10, when I had this guy that lived across the street from me, who was one of my heroes. And uh, he was a few years older than me. And uh, he had, you know, I've kind of got this background in, in motorcycles. And so it started because my neighbor had this little mini bike that Honda 50 that I wanted to ride more than anything else in the world. So he convinced me to come over one morning on Saturday morning and do all of his chores for him. And so I came over and did all of his chores for him and with him, cutting this hedge and working for several hours. And he had promised me that at the end of the work time that we would get to, uh, we'd get to ride his, his Honda 50. But at the end of that time, uh, he said, hey, thanks for helping me do my chores, but uh, you're too little to ride this thing. And oh. done. So I, I just remember turning around and running home crying. And he goes, no, no, I was kidding. Come back, come back. And so I don't know, maybe now just thinking out loud, that that could have what that, that little incident could have led to what started the passion and desire in, in the Weeby family oh, to no have a, a career in, in motocross racing. That over makes the years. perfect sense. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it hurt, but it motivated me. Yeah. So. Trish, how about you? You know, um, I'm kind of the same situation as war, just around amazing people. But I can remember back to seventh grade and I had a guy that just constantly teased me and made fun of me. And his best friend, who was a girl, one day before we got on the bus made the same comments to me. And I was 
like, I don't know, 60 pounds, like four foot five, like nothing in size. And I turned around and hauled off and hit this girl, the only fight I've ever been in. But I turned around and swung and hit her, jumped on her. And within like two seconds, I was pinned and she was saying really horrific things at me and went to school. And my dad was our PE teacher and, of course, um, was disciplined, but also was encouraged. He was very proud that I actually stood up for myself in that situation. But those words and then the resolution of having to go back and apologize, my dad was big with that. He's like, I, you need to go do the right thing, has always resonated with me. Yeah. You know, Essie and I were trying to remember if I told this story. And after, I think it's 38 episodes, I just, I don't think I've told this story, but we're going to go for it. There's two kind of monumental moments of words that was spoken both negative and positive over me that that I think about to this day. So one of them was, I was a senior headed into my senior year of football and all summer long, I was up every morning, 6.30 a.m., went in and was the only guy on our team that was there for every single weight session. Lift weights, then I'd go off and landscape all day long. Uh, not a really glorious way to spend your last summer at home, but I worked hard at it. I started having some back issues and my chiropractor told me, I want you to stop lifting heavy on deadlift, straight leg deadlift. And so the next morning I was in there, I slid the weight off and I was lifting light and this gruff old head coach walks up to me and he looks at me after all this commitment, all this hard work. And he says, what are you doing? And I said, well, you know, I'm having a back issue and my chiropractor asked me to go light on the weight and he, and he looked at me and I'll never forget his words. He said, are you going to play for your chiropractor this year? And when he said that, it like sliced through my heart and my entire senior season spun out of control because of that wound. And I don't necessarily blame that on him, but it just had a massive impact on me and the power of those words were cutting. Now, on the other hand, when I was in sixth grade, I had another coach who one morning I was up, you know, it was an early practice. It was the first snap of the ball at scrimmage. And I run crashing into our, our uh, running back was coming around the corner on a sweep. And it was just this huge crack of the pads. And this linebacker coach comes tearing through the line. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, like I'm in trouble for hitting this kid so hard. And he comes up and he grabs me by the face mask and he yells in my face. He says, you're a madman!" <laughs> and then he throws out his arm and he makes a proclamation to the rest of the team. He's a madman!" <laughs> and when he said that, I could have run through a cinder block wall for him. And here I am, however many years later is 30 some years later, and it still has an influence on me. It's the power of encouraging words. So on the other hand, for the two of you, what are some of those words that you remember as a child that continue to fuel you many decades later? For me, my my dad, my mom and dad were just iconic in my life. And my dad was also my coach. So he wasn't just my dad and my hero at home. He was my coach on the corridor and track. And I was tiny and he always 
encourage me, don't let my size, don't let the lack of liking of a coach or of somebody that's on a team keep you from doing what God has ordained for you. Like you set your mind to it, work your tail off, be the best you that you can be. And just that constant instillment of confidence in me was iconic. Like I have so many stories of things my dad has said that has encouraged me that I still, even in my late 50s, roll through my head to spur me on. And what's so fun is you use those very words, your dad's words that he spoke into you. Now you speak into our staff year after year. How cool is that? I do. My daddy always says, your wife, Ashley, is constantly like, we need to get you a shirt that says, my daddy always says, because I just, they roll through me and it's how I want to impart encouragement to this younger generation. How about you, Ward? Shay, I think back... Uh, and we'll probably get into this a little bit, I'm sure, before this podcast is over. But I think back to uh, bedtime and and my mom sitting on the edge of my bed, and she would quote uh, the 23rd Psalm, you know, over and over, night after night. And, you know, just thinking about how the Lord uh, is my shepherd, I shall not want. And she would walk through that psalm countless times with us. And that might be coming from just a little bit of a different angle than you're talking about right now to speak to this point, but that, that's what popped into my head, the encouragement of the Word of God as I uh, was a young boy growing up and over and over and over. And that certainly has been true, carried through all the way to where I stand today and getting to do what I get to do. And so I would, I would think my mom's words and recounting scripture has been a, has been a life-giving thing for me. Hey listeners, Shay Robbins here. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd like to personally ask you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. With your help, we can continue to reach more listeners. We're excited to hear from you. Please send questions to our team for a special audience Q&A recording in the future. Additionally, we're also interested to hear your suggestions for guests and topics. Send your questions and suggestions to podcast at canacuck.com. And now back to the show. Ward, I'm going to send this back to you. Why is it that words are so powerful? You know, scripture itself says that death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who uh, eat its fruit will be satisfied. And so, uh, you know, I'm a Proverbs guy. That's Proverbs uh, 18. 21. And so I think just the way God has designed us, you think about the number of situations. And, and, and I thought about this last night and just these proverb after proverb came to my mind, how the words uh, that we use are so important. God's designed it that way. So I really believe that we have the, the ability to speak out of our hearts, life into people, and, and we can lead people the other way. You know, and I think even you think about the character of God and who he is. You know, I love it when I think about his role as creator, how uh, it talks about in Psalm 33, how he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. So we think even in, in the existence of God and who he is and his role of creator, he used words to speak things into existence. And then I think that we 
you, you know, I think you can find it all throughout Scripture that words are critical and and we can speak life, especially the gospel. Um, there's power in those words. So, yeah. Trish, tell us about your gift of encouragement. How did you, you know, some people have, you know, one of the spiritual gifts is encouragement and both of you have that spiritual gift, but that doesn't excuse the rest of us from using this awesome weapon we've been given of encouragement. But talk to us specifically about, you you know, the process of your awareness, you know, just, you know, or awakening to that gift, the power of it. And then how have you honed that, that skill over the years? Again, I go back to just how I was raised. My dad and my mom always encouraged me to leave someone better than I found them. You, We get moments. It might be a 30-second moment. It might be a 30-minute moment. Well, we get to empower and leave someone better. And we never know what someone is walking through. What it looks like on the outside might appear that everything is well, but the inside, the heart is broken and we're reeling with um, pain. And I, I love Barnabas. And if you look in the book of Acts, it's probably where I go to the most about my biblical example of an encourager. And Barnabas sold all he had, laid it at the feet of the apostles, and then just started going to do ministry. And I think when he was probably in mid-Acts chapter 17, somewhere around there, where he wanted to take John Mark on the next journey with him, and Paul didn't want him to. So he and Paul kind of parted ways, and he went ahead and took John Mark. And I think back to what that did for John Mark. He had one man that believed in him that was like, I will invest in you. I will train you up. I will speak life into you. I will speak truth into you. So truth doesn't always mean it's fluffy and flowery. It might be hard things. Hey, has anybody ever pointed out that this is happening to you so that they can grow? But then John Mark became such a powerful influencer that then Paul used him for ministry. And I just think, wow, what an incredible example of a man to see something in a in John Mark, that Paul, this amazing person of God's word, didn't see yet and built into him. So that's my heartbeat. I want to be a Barnabas to people. I want to see the God-given talents and gift sets in someone, sometimes before they even notice it, so that we can spur them on to do what God has ordained them to do for the kingdom. Wow, what a great example. Ward, how do you encourage or coach up your staff to go about being encouraging? Well, that's kind of a loaded question in this, uh, in our land of ministry with kids. And, and certainly we, we coach our staff to find things that need to be celebrated. I was thinking about one of my favorite teammates I get to work with and how she always says, what, what is celebrated will be repre- re- repeated. And um, so, you know, after years, after four decades of, of being around the people that we're around, it's almost natural and like breathing to find those things uh, that we're thankful for or to, to find those things that need to be celebrated and, and then respond by uh, speaking that life into 
the campers and the staff that they're around. I think thankfulness is is a key to unlocking uh, so many things in our life. When we have thankful hearts before the Lord, it changes our perspective. When we can look at others and be thankful for differences, be thankful for things that have happened, you know, that need to be celebrated. Uh, it, it is just, it changes our perspective on things. And let me give you one quick example. This doesn't really filter back to kids, but, you know, uh, where we are in our world today, uh, you know, we've got everything sitting in shipping containers and there's, there's product supply line uh, challenges. And so I knew that coming into the summer. So when our food truck showed up the first time at camp this summer, I was like, I found the driver and met him and said, you know, Mike, we are so glad that you are here. We need food here at camp to feed our kids. And and so Mike and I struck up a friendship and I actually uh, took a photo of him and I created a poster on the back wall of the dining hall for all of our drivers. And it talked about, we kept track of how many times Mike had come and um, and visited us. And I just... Did it with all of our drivers, met them, found out what their name was, found out a little bit about the stories of their lives, and then told them, we deeply appreciate what you do, and you're on our, our wall of fame in the back of the dining hall here. And that's essentially what we get to do with kids. You guys know that day in and day out. We get to see them. We get to be interested in a name is the most important thing that we can ever know. Uh, you know, when we're just uh, talking about encouragement with people. So finding out who they are, what they're about, and then showing a thankfulness and appreciation that they're at camp or drive a truck or that they answer the phone, whatever it might be. Uh, that just, I'm so passionate about that. Oh. So fun to do it. Word I'm reminded, years ago, I heard an Andy Stanley podcast and he was interviewing, I believe is the former CEO of Home Depot. And Home Depot has 300,000 employees. And Andy's just like, where do you even start? What does the CEO of a company that big do with his time? And, and he said that early on in my career, I realized that we would be the best in our stores if I replicated myself because nobody cares as much as I do. And so he created a reporting system all the way down to Home Depot's all the way around the world and when employees were caught doing something that he would do, and he had kind of qualified this, whether it was scraping gum off the floor, or stopping to organize the mowers so that they were all straight and all these little details, these reports would come back all the way to his office. And he set out to write a hundred handwritten encouraging notes every week. And he would send those notes all the way around the world. And what would happen is, is when an employee would receive this, first of all, they're like, is this got to be a joke? And their GM would tell them, no, legitimately, this is from the CEO. And what would happen is, is that they would be just filled with awe in the moment. Wow, like somebody saw me. And then what happens is, is what is praised is replicated and, you know, there's conversations about it within that little store and people begin doing the things that the CEO would do himself. And I heard that and I'm like, that is so powerful. A handwritten note. Tell, Lord, tell our audience about Spike White and his note writing. I think a lot of them may not know about 
that from him? Well, Spike was the best. He was a talented man that was so uh, gifted at so many, you know, an engineer and designer and, uh, you know, great husband to Darnell. But, you know, he loved people and he noticed people and he championed people. And I know personally, I have notes from him over the years of his encouragement and I particularly think back, Shay, to a time where we were living out on property um, at K West during the winter, and uh, and and you know I was helping build camps out there, and so we didn't see, but we saw people during the day. But Beth was out there with our our young children, and every day Spike would come and he would bring um, Beth a copy of the Branson newspaper and bring a little. I don't know, some kind of treat or candy bar and would connect with her. And, and you know, just a, a little thing of encouragement, a note, newspaper or whatever. And so I saw him do that over and over and over and even saw Spike and Darnell do that extending beyond uh, just Ward and Beth, even to our family, to my parents um, and, and writing and thanking us. So he was a super uh, supercharged encourager through note writing and always meant so much to be affirmed by, you know, this iconic legendary leader uh, uh, here at the camps. And so, yeah, I can give great testimony to Spike's ministry through note writing. Ward, I can remember when I was coaching at Branson High School, I was coaching his granddaughters and I really didn't even know Spike. I wasn't working at camp at the time. And I have handwritten notes from Spike and Darnell, as do my parents, for raising me to coach uh, with a fashion that led kids to the Lord. So even my parents got a note. So just encouraging in that capacity. So Spike and Darnell, Joe's parents, have been deceased for quite some time now. And yet there still is a culture that remains from them of handwritten notes. I mean, we still as directors are writing birthday cards to kids, you know, thousands of them. And how cool is that, that two people who became masters of encouragement shape the culture of what this place is even still today. That is the power of an encouraging word. Trish, I want to ask you to kind of coach us up in regard to how do you have an eye for kind of those soft spots in people's lives where they need a word of encouragement? Help help us understand how to pinpoint those spots. What are you looking for? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. I think when I'm looking at our staff and I'm watching them from the moment they get there, we can read people fairly well, whether they feel reserved, out of a comfort zone, they feel like they're the life of the party. So that's their natural MO of what they go to. So for me, the first thing I do is try to get a feel for what the natural gift set or tendency is for that. And then we can either, or I can either encourage in that moment of, hey, this is a way you can use that within your cabin, or this is a way that I'm going to encourage you to be confident that it's okay. You don't have to be that upfront girl. Be confident that coming alongside someone in a gentle and quiet spirit, that's 
beautiful in the Lord's eyes. Sometimes we say at camp all the time, someone's behavior stems from their belief. So if they have a belief that is lacking in God's word or a belief that is stemmed from a childhood trauma of some sort, that's going to merit what their behavior is. So my heartbeat is to get them to believe in who they are in the Lord, period. Nothing else matters outside of who God says you are. So when we can get to the root of that, that's what I look at trying to uh, infiltrate is getting into what's their lack of belief or their belief about themselves that might not be accurate. And then how can I encourage them through scripture, through what I'm seeing and how they relate at camp or what they do behind the scenes that can spur them on to run within their natural gift sets of what God has Mm. equipped them with. As you share that, my mind goes to how we're being trained by social media. You know, you have image rich through Instagram, video rich um, content through TikTok. And we see things that we think are cool or that are funny or that are beautiful. And then you frame yourself up against that and you're like, well, I'm not that funny. I'm not that cool. I'm not that pretty. Mm -hmm. And I think the enemy uses that to dampen the gifts that each one of us have been given to bless the world and to build up the body of Christ. And what you just described is a way to identify and then speak truth into those God-given gifts. No, you are created special. Yes. Right? Your uniqueness, the things that make you different from everything you see online, that is what is to be celebrated. Absolutely. I, one of my own kids at one point in his life, he was struggling with his belief. So I was like, you are going to go to God's word and you're going to find scripture on who God has created you to be. You're going to write them on note cards and you're going to plaster those everywhere that you look. And because I want you to get rid of the negative beliefs that the world has said about you and go to who you are in the Lord. And for girls, I always start with Genesis 127. You're created in God's image and in his image, you are created. And that says so much when we understand who God is. So that belief of, I need to know God. So that verse resonates at my core is important. Mm. Word, I'm going to put you on the spot for the final exhortation. Hey, yo, let me frame it up for you. So we live in a world that is just filled with negative messaging. A lot of things that are sad, a lot of things that are scary, a lot of things that are creating anxiety, stress, et cetera. What kind of messaging do we need to bring to the conversation as being heralds of the gospel? I believe the most important thing that uh, is can ever be said about us is what God says about us. And Trish just brought that to light. And scripture is so important. And so I think about people that are listening today um, and are seeking, how can I be a better encourager? How can I, you know, uh, you know, really take to heart the power of words? And again, I think, you know, when you look at that social media framework, it brings about two primary things in my point of view. You know, the first is just comparison and the second is division. 
And so again, coming back to kind of dismantle those things through looking at the Word of God and the importance of what God says about us is just a critical first step. And this is just a real quick interjection, maybe for any parents that might be listening or young young marrieds that are starting their family, I thought it was so critical for us as our children grew and we saw how God had created them and their bents and their personalities. We chose life verses for each one of them based on what we saw, uh, you know, in terms of God's hand in those situations. And so um, it was neat, uh, you know, just celebrating one of our son's being married this weekend to be in the huddle with all of those men before we walked out to go, this is the life verse that we chose years and years ago. Scripture is is just critical. And to come back with the truth about what God says about us and how we can speak uh, biblical truth uh, in our own lives as we read and read out loud and then over other lives as we speak truth is, is just, it's so critical. It's what we need to do. So... Warden Trish, thanks for being great examples to us, really and truly. You are uh, two of the greatest encouragers I know, and I appreciate you guys speaking into this. Thank you, our audience, for sharing your time with us today. We hope today's conversation serves to fuel your I'm Third approach to spiritual growth, and with that, I'd love to pray. Father, we just come to you and we lift up our audience, and we pray that the power of encouraging words would land on their heart and that they would turn around and use that weapon for good, um, that they would see people, that they would see them as valuable and special and worthy of honor, and that they would speak life into them, God, in their families, inside their home, in the community that they live, God. We just thank you for your kindness towards us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope today's conversation left you encouraged, strengthened, and empowered. If you haven't had a chance, Please subscribe to our podcast today to stay up to date with the latest episodes. If this podcast has helped you in any way, please consider rating us, writing a review, or sharing it with others so we can continue to build you up with an I'm Third approach to family, leadership, and spiritual growth. For more information about the podcast, visit canacuckpodcast.com. And for more information about Canacuck, you can visit canacuck.com.